0: Welcome to Southside Church Online. Look, a lot of you have been sending me messages asking me the same question. You notice that over the last little while, Leah Weens has been wearing Def Leppard and Van Halen t-shirts on stage. And your question is real simple. You say, could Leah actually name three Def Leppard or three Van Halen songs? And the answer to that, believe me, is unequivocally no, she cannot. So there you go. So today marks the last week in our journey through this New Testament book of Jude. And the truth is, I'm a little bit sad. Jude has been a good friend who's walked with us through some very, very interesting times. Remember, it was Jude who reminded us, something that I guess we already knew, that this world that we're living in, it's not a playground, it's a battleground. That when we look around this world and we see battles out there, or we see battles in our life, or battle, battles in our family, We need to understand that at the core, at the foundation of all those battles is a spiritual battle that's raging. That you and me, we have a friend in Jesus, and Jesus has a plan for us. He wants to orchestrate a soul-level victory in our lives, that we would see victory and that we would bring victory today, tomorrow, and forever. And we also have an enemy in the devil. He has a plan for us also, that he wants to orchestrate a soul-level defeat that we would see defeat and that we would bring defeat today, tomorrow, and forever. And Jude tells us that not, not to make us afraid, but to make us aware. Because when we are aware of this spiritual battle, we have everything we need to stand up and take hold of the victory given to us by this friend, Jesus. So let's read the last section of this book of Jude. And now to him who can keep you on your feet, standing tall, in his bright presence, fresh and celebrating, to our one God, our only Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Master, be glory, majesty, strength, and rule before all time and now and to the end of all time. Yes. One God. One Savior. One Spirit. One family. And it brings me back to January 23rd of this year. I was sitting in my office and I was praying and studying to figure out what we would study after we finished studying this book of Jude. Remember, this was back in January the 23rd. And I felt like God told me that we needed to study the book of Nehemiah, which makes a lot of sense, by the way. (laughs) Nehemiah is an incredible book on leadership. But specifically, as I thought about that book, Nehemiah, I, I kept thinking over and over and over about what it was that Nehemiah led. Nehemiah led a rebuilding effort. He rebuilt the walls in the city of Jerusalem. In fact, on January 23rd, I sent myself an email. I'll tell you more about that later. I email myself about 30 times a day. But, anyways, I sent myself an email, and, and this was my question that I asked myself What are our walls? And God gave me a phrase, and that phrase was, it's rebuilding time. On January the 23rd, he gave me this phrase, it's rebuilding time. And I couldn't figure out what it was that we were gonna be rebuilding. Like I knew that we were building a building, but what were we gonna be rebuilding? That was back on January the 23rd, and then February, March, April, May, and June happened. And the answer is really clear, isn't it? What are we rebuilding? Everything. We're rebuilding our world. We're rebuilding our lives. We're rebuilding our economy. We're rebuilding our culture. We're rebuilding everything. It's rebuilding time. And here's what's crazy. We get to help. It's the greatest opportunity in my lifetime. We get to help. Like if, if not us, who? And if not now, when? Do you you understand what I mean when I say that? Because I think there's something inside of you, and there's something inside of me that that we think to ourselves, um, I would love to show perseverance when there was no adversity. I I would love to be strong at a different time. Could I be strong when there's no resistance? Could, Could I be courageous when There's nothing to be afraid of. Could could I be generous when there's no one out there that really needs my help? It's it's rebuilding time. And, And we get to help. It's the greatest opportunity of my lifetime. Man, if not us, who? We were built for this. If not now, when? I've been thinking about this passage In Hebrews 11, it says this. Now faith, faith, faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Man, together, 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 we are going to dream big dreams. Together, we are going to see fresh vision. Together, it's rebuilding time. And that same theme is continued in Hebrews 12. So let us, let us, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles One God, one savior, one spirit, one family, one mission, it's rebuilding time. And together, 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 we get to help. Because if not together, we'll be no help at all. And we'll miss out on the greatest opportunity of our lifetime together. See, as we kind of exit this study in this book of Jude, I want to remind us that there was two themes that that Jude hit on over and over and over again. And those themes were unity and the power of words. It's rebuilding time. It's it's rebuilding time, and, and, and together we get to help. For if we are not together, we will be no help at all and we'll miss out on the greatest opportunity of our lifetime. Here's what I expect. I expect that we will never see a greater opportunity and therefore there will be resistance and that resistance will come in the form of temptation to be disunified. So at a time that we desperately need to pull together, the temptation is that we would pull apart. It's rebuilding time. It's rebuilding time, and together, we get to help. One God. One Savior. One Spirit. One family. One mission. Together. In fact, all this week, I've been thinking about an old song from back when I was a kid. And uh, bear with me, because I think that we're supposed to play it now, so why don't we do that?
1: in the night will love get to share it leaves you darling if you don't care for it did I disappoint you Feel a bad taste in your mouth You act like you never had love Now you want me to go without Well it's too late Tonight To drag the past out into the light the same, we get to carry each other, carry each other, have you come forgiveness, have you come to raise the dead, have you come here to play Jesus, to the lepers in your head, I ask too much, more than a lot, gave me nothing now, it's all I got, we're one, but we're not the same, we hurt each other, then we do it again, you say love is a temple, Each other, sisters, brother.
0: One God, one Savior, one Spirit, one family, one mission. It's rebuilding them. And together, we get to help. For if not together, we'll be no help at all. And we would miss out on the greatest opportunity of our lives. It's amazing to me how we're kind of leaving Jude and entering Nehemiah, but it's almost like a transitionary sermon. Because Jude's saying, hey, one thing, one thing, there's going to be resistance. And it's going to come in the form of disunity. It's amazing. Like Psalm 133 says it this way, how wonderful, how beautiful when brothers and sisters get along. Jesus himself said that people are going to know that you and I follow him by the way that we love each other. As an earthly dad, nothing makes me more proud or more happy than the fact that all of our six kids get along so well. Well, they fight once in a while, but they always remember they're one family. The other day I was texting with my son Lucas, and he said this, I know that for me, home is not a place. It's the feeling I get knowing that the original man of that keeps growing will always be there for me. Imagine the joy that our Heavenly Father takes when we get along. It's rebuilding time. It's rebuilding time. And together, we get to help. For if not together, we'll be no help at all. And we would miss out on one of the greatest opportunities of our lifetime. So I wanna suggest to you that the resistance is coming. It'll come in your marriage. It'll come in your family. It'll come in your small group. It'll come in your church family. And it will come at a time that we most need to be pulling together. It will come in steps that will try to pull us apart. Okay, so here's step one. Proverbs 5.18 says this. A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel, quarrels. That'll be the first temptation that you and I have. John Wooden, one of the greatest basketball coaches of all time, used to say this. We can disagree without being disagreeable. Quarreling is disagreeing disagreeably. In in, in other words, what, what a quarrel is, is that if you and I have a difference of opinion, it immediately becomes personal. Okay, and, and, and quarreling comes from frustration. When someone doesn't see something the way that you see it, when someone doesn't agree with, with, with your opinion, uh, you, you get frustrated, and, and, and it becomes personal. So no longer interested to learn from anybody else, it becomes a personal battle. And quarreling actually makes you stupid. Because whatever you know right now is all you're ever going to know, because you're not interested in learning anything different. You know, back in the 1500s, people thought that the entire universe revolved around the earth. And then this guy named Copernicus came along, and without a telescope, without a telescope, he would just lay down on his back at night and look up at the stars, and he came to this conclusion. He said, you know what? I think actually all the planets revolve around the sun. And he went and he told the powers that be that, and they said, no, 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 you're wrong. Well, if you just lay, like if you, uh, uh, no. No, we don't want to hear. No, 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 we don't want to see. And so they remained stupid. That's what quarreling does. You're disagreeing disagreeably. Because you see things different than another person, you make it personal immediately, and it comes from frustration. Okay? The second step is gossip. The second temptation that you and I will have in this next season is going to be gossip. Proverbs 20 says this, a gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. So I want you to think about it. So first of all, we, we disagree disagreeably, okay? So I'm frustrated with that person. So much so that I don't want to talk to them anymore. I'm just going to talk about them, okay? And, and, and gossip comes from fear. It comes from the fear of having this person out there, and now there's distance between us, and I don't know if I have the courage to go and actually talk to them, so I start to talk about them. And there's a problem with gossip because gossip is a destroyer. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, Your enemy, the devil, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And when you gossip, you destroy. You destroy someone's reputation just a little bit. You destroy their influence just a little bit. You destroy their future just a little bit. So in other words, when you gossip, you are cooperating with, you are inviting into your life the activity of your spiritual enemy. Okay, so your first temptation is gonna be quarreling. You're gonna disagree disagreeably. And it comes from frustration. The second temptation is gossip. Instead of talking to a person, you're gonna talk about them. And it comes from fear. The third temptation is called slander. In Psalm 140, David says it this way. May slanderers not be established in the land. May disaster hunt down the violence. Slander is verbal violence. You see, you see how the steps go? Okay, so step one uh, is quarreling. So we, we, we disagree disagreeably. It becomes personal and it comes from frustration. And step two is gossip, and it comes from fear, because instead of talking to a person, I talk about a person, and and, and step three now is verbal violence, it's slandering. And it comes from fighting. Have you ever heard this expression? Uh, We're fighting now. In in other words, you, you are now my adversary and you are to be defeated. Something that I said to you last week I want to repeat this week, it's really, really important that you hear me. Words come from you and they also come for you. I can prove that. Have you ever seen a married couple that can't disagree without being disagreeable? Have you ever seen a married couple who quarrel all the time? In other words, they can't figure out whether they're going to eat at McDonald's or uh, Burger King and it becomes personal right away. You ever seen that? Maybe you grew up with a mom and dad who were a little bit like that. Or have you ever seen a married couple who gossip about each other? You know, where they'll they'll, they'll just share little things about their spouse uh, to other people. Instead of talking to each other, they start to talk about each other. Have you ever seen a married couple who start to slander one another? So now all of a sudden there's this adversarial, there's this fighting relationship where they're going around and they're they're sharing things that might or might not even be true, most likely some of it false, just to tear each other down. Now let me ask you a question, a real simple question. How's their marriage doing? How are they doing? You say, well Mike, that's kinda obvious, it's natural. No, no, it's, yeah, it's natural, and it's also spiritual, listen to me. Those words that you speak They come from you, and they will also come for you. In this next season, I promise you, it's rebuilding time. And together we get to help. But if we're not together, we'll be no help at all. And we'll miss the greatest opportunity of our lifetime. So watch your words. Because the temptation is coming. So temptation number one is quarreling. Everything becomes personal. It comes from frustration. Temptation number two is gossip. Instead of talking to a person, we talk about them. Temptation number three is slander. It's this, added, it's this verbal violence where we're fighting. And temptation number four is filth. Filth. Obscenity. Colossians 3.8 says it this way. No insults, or obscene talk must ever come from your lips. Another translation is filthy words, filthy words, filth. I wonder if you've ever um, wondered what that means. Obscenity, filthy words. Let me explain it to you this way. Everyone who's ever lived, everyone who is currently living, everyone who will ever live, on this planet, is a child of God. Created in his image, with infinite dignity and infinite value. He loves him so much. So much that he sent his son Jesus. And because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, all who would come are forgiven and free. And anyone who accepts that free gift of salvation from Jesus God loves them so much that he sends his spirit to be their counselor and their comfort and their compass. You wanna know what filthy language is? Filthy language is speaking anything that would take anybody else and say words that would rob them of the infinite dignity and value that come from being an image bearer of God. For example, Looking at someone who has a different skin color than you. Looking at someone who speaks different than you speak. Who believes different than you believe. And suggesting that somehow they're less than. Racism is filth. It's obscenity. And earlier I said that quarreling comes from frustration. And gossip comes from fear and slander comes from fighting. Racism comes from hell. Racism comes from the pit of hell. The devil and all his angels rejoice when anyone looks at anyone else and speaks in such a way as to rob that person or that group of people from the infinite dignity and value that they have as image bearers of God. That's obscene. It's filthy. S- sexualization is the same. Is when you look at someone or a group of people and you sexualize them to the degree that they become a means to your gratification ends, you make them objects instead of the image bearers of God. It's filthy. It's filthy. Here's what I'm saying. It's, it's rebuilding time. And, and together we get to help. <laughs> Like, we're really going to help. But if not together, we won't help at all. And we would miss out on the greatest opportunity of our lifetime. So I, w- I want to tell you something. I've been praying for you. I've been praying for me. And I'm going to pray for us right now, actually. So first of all, I pray in Jesus' name that when, when, when you're faced with a temptation to quarrel, to make things personal, I pray that you would be curious instead. I pray that I would be curious instead. That that I would want to know more than I want to be known. That I would want to understand more than I want to be understood. That instead of quarreling, that I would be curious. I pray in Jesus' name that we would resist the temptation to quarrel. I, 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 I pray in Jesus' name that we would resist the temptation to gossip. Or to be around anyone who gossips. That God would give us incredible courage that if there's something that needs to be said, that I would say it to the person. And if it's not important enough for me to say it to the person, I just let it go. In Jesus' name, I pray for courage for all of us. And in Jesus' name, I pray that we would not look at someone else as an adversary that we fight, but we would look at every person, no matter what they look like, what they sound like, what they believe as an image bearer of God. And we would be people who bless, not curse. We would be people of joy, not filth. That we would be people who always build up, never, ever tear down. Betty Eady said it this way. If we understood the power of our thoughts, we would guard them more closely. If we understood the awesome power of our words, We would prefer silence to almost anything negative. In our thoughts and words, we create our own weaknesses and our own strengths. Our limitations and joys begin in our hearts. We can always replace negative with positive. So I've been asking myself for the last few weeks how I wanted to end this time walking through the book of Jude. And I thought of a poem. It's a poem that my wife, Corinne, wrote for me years ago when I was going through a real tough time. And the name of the poem is Wounded Eagle. And I thought of you, and I thought of your family, and I thought of your kids, and I thought of our culture when this poem came to mind. Because I think for a lot of us, we kind of stepped into um, 2020 kind of feeling like we were on a roll. Like, you know, the normal was good, and, and it was fine, and we were doing well but I'll tell you what, this first six months has knocked a lot of people down, hasn't it? It's left a lot of people shaken. You and your family and your kids and our culture. But I want to suggest to you that something new is on the way. That there's a new normal coming and it's not gonna be the same. You know what it's actually gonna be? It's gonna be better. Well, let me read you the poem. Do you see your beauty, wounded eagle? Do you know the times that I've watched in awe as you soar, held aloft by the wind and your wings? Eyes of strength, piercing in black, knowing much. How do you see the grass move from such height? How can you see it on the open plain? It goes unnoticed by others, but you see. So strong you are and beautiful. You were made for the sky to soar, to dive to see from high on the face of your mountain. Yet here you are on the ground. Your wing trails like a banner in defeat. No more to use the sky forever, but live with famine and pain a few days. He is strong and pain is worse to the strong. Incapacity is worse. You are vulnerable in this place. There are enemies who can touch you now. In your soul are the seeds of greatness, of glory, of honor, but here you are, majestic eagle, huge in your helplessness, talons and beak useless without wings, unaccustomed to the shade of trees and the damp of earth and the fear that comes in the dark. The wind that yesterday lifted you is wind from the earth, the breath of your ancestors, the vapors from the mouths of the voices inside of you. But there is a new wind coming. A new voice will lift you. It's a, it's a warm wind, f- fierce and terrible. It's a warm wind, soft and beautiful. This wind will create you in its own image. Tomorrow, you will run and not grow weary. Tomorrow, you will walk and not faint. Tomorrow, you will soar my wounded eagle. Tomorrow, there will be a new scent on the wind. Listen, listen, listen. It's rebuilding time. And together, 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 we get to help. You see, I'm not sure that we can. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God One God, one Savior, one Spirit, one family, one mission, together. So as I close, I just want to ask you a question. (laughs) I ask it a lot, but I really want to know, how are you? I wonder if you're at a place in your life where you feel a little bit beat down, where you feel a little bit wounded, where you feel like Man, this is not going at all the way that I hoped it would go. There's something that I really need to tell you. God loves you. And his plan for rebuilding your life included you being here, right here, and right now, hearing this. See, the first step towards rebuilding starts on the inside. God sent his son, Jesus, into human history, and Jesus lived and died and rose again for you. So what I'm telling you is today, right now, you can put your regrets and you can put your past behind you. You can receive the forgiveness that comes from his death. And you can also take hold of the salvation that comes from his resurrection. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. I'm not saying life will become easy, but I'm saying he'll give you enough strength to start rebuilding, to start rebuilding, to start rebuilding from the inside out. One next step. At a time everything that needed to be done has already been done all you need to do is accept his gift so i want to give you the chance to do that right now i'm gonna pray and i'd love it if you could pray along with me right now dear jesus thank you thank you that you are my savior thank you that you died for me today jesus i hand you my regret and my shame and my sin And I receive from you a fresh start, a new beginning, a clean slate. Thank you. And thank you, Jesus, that you rose again. I pray that you would give me the strength to follow you, to live, really live, today, tomorrow, and forever in victory. It starts now and stretches into eternity. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, I am so incredibly stoked. Like truly. What I'd love for you to do is, if you could right now, could you please text the keyword? I'm showing you how to text. See, te- <laughs> I, I'm a really slow texter, but that's neither here nor there. What you need to do right now is, you need to text the keyword "life." You can do it right on the chat wherever you're watching, or you can go to 604-670-3040. And you can text the keyword life to that, or you can go onto our website, SouthsideLife.com and, uh, and text the word life. We don't want to stalk you, but you better believe we want to support you. So excited. Can I, can I leave you with just one more thought? You're not going to believe this. No, no, listen. You're not going to believe this. It's rebuilding time. And together, together, We get to help. See you next week.